history in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? assistant coach Adam Smotherman got a little handsy with Coach Venable's polo. Hug the man, fine, but don't mess with his threads. Tennessee is definitely WRU, was relevant university. Clemson is 5-0, and life is good. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben, and this is our Virginia Tech Clemson recap show. Ben, how you doing? Doing great, man. Um, Great win yesterday. Uh, exciting to see a solid effort out of that team going up to Blacksburg. Um, probably going to mail it in on this episode. Didn't really get to rewatch the game today. You know, did some domestic things, you know, being married, wife not really into football, didn't go to Clemson. You got to, you know, salvage some gotta of these Got to pay your weekends. dues on Sunday Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. So, you know, I watched the game at a bar, so it, was, it got me- as much information as I could get out of that. You know, read some articles, and we'll see what happens. You know, I... We promise not to fall asleep if you guys try not to. Let me ask you real quick. How was the, the bar last night, the Clemson bar? I, I didn't make it out. It was my wife's birthday, so took her out to dinner. But watch the first three quarters at least. So the bar for a big night game, it was not as packed as normal, um, which was interesting uh, to see. We also didn't have our normal bartender, although the, although the guys that were there did a pretty good job taking care of us. Um, but I guess... Still the, lively. Yeah, still lively. And the upside... Um, of it kind of being a little bit thinner cloud. There were still all Clemson people in there pretty much, except for one loudmouth who was randomly cheering for Virginia Tech. Um, I got to meet a couple new people, part of the Clemson group, uh, that are more recent members. Nice. You know, there's a big core of us who've been out here for about five, six years and know each other well. Um, yeah, would you say we, I mean, we normally average something like 30 plus fans a game coming into the bar and or 50 for the big games. Yeah, I mean, it's 50, a small bar, but we pack the thing out. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, steady, consistent stream, but we'll constantly get I me. Mean, we, we live in San Francisco. We'll constantly get people visiting for vacation or for business, something like that. And are spending the weekend and we'll met, get a good, good, steady mix of people who come through and we'll come hang out and yeah, watch Clemson with us. Yeah, absolutely. I met, I met a couple last night uh, from Greenville who were traveling and, you know, looked us up, found out about us, came out to the bar. So, um, it's great to have that little community out here, and for especially for people traveling. Clemson fans are you know across the country, across the world, um, traveling through San Francisco, whether it be for business or for vacation. Uh, rest assured, if you come during football season, you've got a place to watch and a community of Clemson fans to watch with. 
Awesome. Well, we will get into our Virginia Tech recap. Um, amazing game. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, Clemson improves the 5-0, and still undefeated. Uh, but as we did last show, I think it would be pertinent to touch on what happened this weekend in the rest of college football. We'll start with just a few highlight games. Uh, the, the, the first one that most, most of our fans were probably tuned into was Miami against Duke. And this was at the time, you know, both pretty much hot undefeated teams um, in the Coastal Division kind of duking it out, no pun intended. Um, and Miami really ran away with this one. Um, I only watched um, part of this one, Ben. It looked pretty much like a one-sided game and pretty boring. It um, seemed pretty penalty-driven like, late, too. It seemed like it was close early. Um, I don't know. This was kind of midday for us before our game. I got to see some of the early games and was uh, busy uh, writing wedding thank you notes uh, in the afternoon. So I missed this one, but... Um, I thought, or I guess, was this Friday night? Yeah, this was Friday night. Okay, well, I didn't get to watch it Friday night. Um, yep. This was, especially being at Duke Friday night, this was not as, it was uh, it was closer, or it wasn't as close as I thought it would be. I thought Duke would put up more of a fight. Uh, I guess this, you know, they came in 4-0, right? Miami's only played uh, two games up until that point. They're now 3-0. So that says a lot about Miami team. You see the toll it took on uh, Florida State against NC State, only having played one game going into that one. Duke has had more experience this year because they haven't had any games canceled due to the hurricane. So I think it says a lot about Miami. I think they're a legitimate contender in the ACC Coastal this year. Yeah, and David Cutcliffe always brings a really strong offensive game plan there at Duke. And I think the the real takeaway for me in this game was Miami's defense. Uh, Holding Duke to six points, I think Duke had a number of shoot-itself-in-the-foot type plays throughout this game, at least from what I was watching. Um, but yeah, maybe it was a little closer in the first quarter or so, but it really felt like Miami was, was the better, more talented team here. You know, I think looking at the teams in the ACC, I almost think this year with the kind of the downfall of FSU and Louisville not being as strong, the ACC Coastal top to bottom may be the best division in the ACC. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we just got, you know, one of their contenders and my pick to win that division in Virginia Tech. Um, and certainly they were not Clemson's equal, but you could see... Definitely a lot of talent on that roster winning out over lesser talented teams. And, and, you know, yeah, I'll give it to you. I I probably would say the Coastal might be pound for pound top to bottom um, in a better spot than the Atlantic. But we've also got some improvement happening in the Atlantic, too, in the form of NC State and uh, Wake Forest. So, yeah, absolutely. And again, I say that mainly not because the ACC Coastal has, you know, taken huge leaps and strides towards getting better. I think it's because the traditional powerhouses yeah. in the ACC Atlantic, that being Louisville and Florida State, are having down year, down years. I mean, we say that about Louisville; they're still what four and one, right? Well, let's stick with Florida State. So they went they went into Winston Salem um, road road test against then four and Wake Forest. This one looked this one looked pretty pretty tight toward the end. Um, Wake actually had a, a lead for a good part of this game, um, and I don't know, Ben. It seemed like you watched this one too. Um, Florida State won it on a tremendous throw from James Blackman to Auden Tate. Um, exceptional throw, great catch, sliding catch into the end zone to win it. But this was an escape, make, make no mistake. Well, and the the kind of the talking heads leading into this game, their narrative was uh, twofold. A, Florida State still reeling 0-2 on the year. Um, haven't been out of the top 25 in I don't know how many years. Um, so they're struggling trying to find an identity on offense. We still know that they're going to have a pretty good defense. Then also Wake Forest being 4-0, having a good year, and, and Wake Forest always giving Florida State trouble. So that was the narrative going in, and Florida State did struggle a little bit, but they're lucky to come out with the victory 
I think I think at the end of the year, Florida State is going to be a top 25 team. Uh, probably definitely a top 20, maybe even top 15. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Blackman's going to get better as the season goes along, but they've come out of the gate slow, and it's just not something that we're used to seeing from them. I still imagine that they turn it around. I don't know. You seem to think that uh, Jimbo Fisher might be out the door for LSU. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see about that. I mean, he he was there with Nick Saban originally. Didn't didn't pursue that job this offseason. Got an extension at Florida State. So we'll see what his appetite will be to if Orgeron gets gets let go. Um, how the rest of this year goes at Florida State. He'll take a look at the cupboards, what his recruiting has coming in at Florida State. Um, but yeah, LSU might be there. The other, I mean, the, the thing to consider there is for all of FSU's flaws overall, I would say their administration and the entire program is in a much better spot than LSU is. Yeah, it seems like a mess administratively over speaking there. Speaking of LSU, that losing to Troy, I know Troy is not you know, the worst team in the world by any stretch of the imagination. They might yeah, we found rank, out last year. I, I think they might even be ranked 25 uh, this week with the new AP poll coming out. But, yeah, man, at home, uh, you don't lose to, to Troy. They got if handled. You're, if you're LSU. Right. It was – Troy got votes. They got one vote in the AP poll. So they're not ranked. But still, a, a solid team. They're not having to tra- travel far there from uh, wherever they are in Alabama. Yep. Uh, but still, if you're LSU, you should, without a doubt – have superior talent and you're you should have an intimidating environment although again troy's used to going onto the road in these these to these so big called. schools yep um but still that's a head scratcher i think the writing's on the wall ed orgeron's gonna be out after this year could be and it's tough i mean it's his first year he was in as an interim last year after last miles um i could see them potentially giving him another year but you lose games like the troy game you get embarrassed against mississippi state who turns out to potentially not even be that good um, and those wins at, or those losses add up, and they still haven't played the meat of their schedule. They get Florida, they still have Alabama, they still have Auburn. So, could be some, you know, against better teams, embarrassing losses. Let alone some of these um, lesser, lesser teams. You would think. Well, for keeping Ed Orgeron on last year, they better make a home run higher this year. I, I'm not so sure that he gets another season. Um, I think it was just due to the fact that maybe there was nobody out, else out there left to get last year. Yeah. I didn't see that as a confident pick going forward yeah i mostly joke about the jimbo thing i think he will probably stick around in florida state at florida state um there may be an injury or two away from having a much better record on um, the last couple of years but you never know he may seek seek a change so we'll keep an eye on that yeah and speaking of mississippi state auburn with a big win there 39 to 10 and you know that goes a long way to you know cody mentioned it that he thought that that auburn win for us 14 to 7 win was going to season well as as uh, we go along here and looking like that may be the case. I mean, I think it's a toss up between Auburn and Georgia as to who's the second best team in the sec right now. Yeah. And we'll get to see both of them play next month. Um, it looks like, so that'll be, that'll be awesome. And then, um, Auburn obviously ends the regular season with Alabama. So, um, Jared Stidham looks to be figuring things out. They're getting a little healthier. Um, so yeah, I, you know, Auburn's defense still looks to be pretty legit holding a good offensive team, in Mississippi state to 10, Georgia held them to three, I think, last week. So, well, that's showing the Mississippi State's a fraud, pretty much. Um, any other games, kind of overall? I guess we didn't touch on the USC Washington State game that immediately followed Miami Duke on Friday. This one was really exciting. Um, yeah, so, a top, where were they? Number five, right at that point. Yeah. So, a top five team goes down to Washington State. Washington State, and we'll talk about that here in a second. They're kind of a surprise this year. So, that was big uh, to go and beat uh, Southern California. And then for USC, 
the expectations were high coming into this year. You know, all the Heisman talk around Sam Darnold and just not looking good for them right now. His, I, I don't know if it was his passer rating or his QB rating, but under pressure, really pathetic stats. Um, yeah. And they were under pressure a lot because they had a lot of offensive line injuries during this game and coming into the And they the were contest. thin on offensive line coming into this game yeah. with some key departures after last season. So, right. again, it's not necessarily all, all on Darnold. And you yeah. can't just expect a, a good team to come back and, and be the same or better just because of the quarterback. When your offensive line uh, sustains the, the hits that – They've, they've taken and the losses that they've had it's going to be a tough road now granted that's only one loss of them it's still a long season ahead they've got some ground to make up but they've got the time to do it yeah I think and we'll touch on this but what this does though in the Pac-12 is remove some margin of error for other teams to potentially lose a game I think if um, USC was seen as a class of the, of the conference and Washington is as well I think for UW to get into the playoff they're going to need to go undefeated at this so uh, we will see. I think the Pac-12 could be one of those teetering on the edge of not making the playoff. But, you know, crazy stuff can, can and does happen in this in this sport. Uh, so there's a lot of season left. Uh, but actually, Ben, I mean, the one game we haven't touched on yet and is Georgia-Tennessee. And, you know, we let's obviously talk about that game. But I think now that we sit after five weeks, uh, they, they released the AP poll today. Um, and we've got kind of a new, fresh look at who the pecking order is. Um, for for this season um, I wanted to ask you like you already mentioned Washington State being a surprise but um, were there any other teams really in the top 15 that stood out to you as compared to maybe coming into the year if you can remember back to your feeling there um, who's really stood out to you as uh, really a surprise in well, a positive way at first glance I would say Georgia um, they're 5-0 and probably doing better than expected they take the hit and lose Nick Eason uh, was that in the first game of the season Jacob Eason. Uh, Jacob, sorry, Jacob Eason. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know when he actually got hurt, um, but definitely early on. Possibly it was even during fall camp. I believe it was in a game. I think it was okay. in the first game. But then Fromm comes in, and he's looking like the better quarterback of the two. Eason back now. He did get uh, a little bit of playing time in the Tennessee game, but, but really, when I look at Georgia and start digging a little bit deeper, I look at their schedule and who they've beaten. You know, they've got to win at Notre Dame, but how good is Notre Dame really? You know, we we think they're over over ranked or overhyped every single year. I don't think they were this year. I think people finally caught on. But we'll give them that a one-point win in South Bend. But outside of that, you know, App State and, and Samford, Mississippi State is not what we thought they were at the time when they beat them last week. And then at Tennessee, I'm not going to, you know, Tennessee is just not that good. Butch Jones is probably out at that program. Like, that's a humiliating loss from them. It should never have been like that. So, yeah, I, I, I will say in, in their most recent wins, though, Tennessee – in Mississippi State, like their defense has looked dominant. Um, Georgia right now has the number three advanced stat, S&P Plus ranked um, defense. I think that's what's been carrying them. You know, yeah, all those other teams you mentioned are flawed. I do think Notre Dame is, is squarely in the teens. Like that's kind of where they belong at this point. And, you know, to, to sneak by in a Notre Dame is not like the toughest road environment, especially when half the stadium are dog fans. But, right. um, you know, that's still a solid road win and a neutral you know, against a non-conference team. Um, anyway, I think I think Georgia looks the part of so of we're, a top ten. I don't think we're going to really learn much about them until the Auburn game uh, at uh, like a, uh, November 11th. The only really stumbling block they have between now and then is uh, at home against Florida, who I don't think they're you know they're ranked 21 right now, but I don't. And that I think one isn't even played at home. Yeah, it's I think they're in middle. Of the, oh yeah, but, so I, I think that's a middle of the road team. I don't yeah. think Florida is the threat that 
they maybe look like on paper. Um, so I don't think it's until they're at Auburn uh, in the beginning of November there. We'll learn a lot. But outside of that, man, their schedule is, is not that difficult. they got Vandy, Mizzou, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech. I mean, that's not a gauntlet. Yeah, until they have to face Alabama True. in that title game. Um, but Georgia, you know, they'll be, they'll be a solid contender. They're a big brand name. We'll keep hearing about them. I maintain they're probably going to find a way to disappoint their fans as they do every year. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how they do that. Usually it would not be just in like the, the title game, usually in embarrassing fashion, like probably to Georgia Tech or South Carolina, South Carolina or Georgia Tech. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe other surprising teams that have kind of emerged from their conference and um, really surprised us. I don't think anyone had TCU being a top 10 team coming into the year. Nope, definitely not. But they've uh, they've looked the part, you know, they've won some good games. Um, so it's kind of surprising to see them up there along with Oklahoma. You're going to hang your hat on those two teams right now if you're the the Big 12. Oklahoma State bounced back with a win this week, but right now it's looking between TCU and Oklahoma. Yeah, for sure. Um, pretty well-coached team. I think that, again, there, there are a lot of kind of Tier 2 teams in that Big 12 that can beat up on one another. We'll see if TCU can survive that. They play West Virginia this coming week. I think that'll be a good, good indicator of... Um, not necessarily how good TCU is, but again, you'll, you'll get a different type of system come in. It, Holgo runs a little bit of a modified air raid, which is similar to, I guess, what some of the other coaches run there in the Big 12. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see if they can continue to succeed. It's interesting the lack of respect Michigan is getting. You know, they're a 4-0 team right now, and over the past couple of years, they would probably be in the top five just, just because of the hype around Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I think that's started to wane a little bit. Um, yeah. Michigan sits right now at number seven, you know, Georgia leapfrog them. You got Washington ahead of them on merit. You know, they went to the college football playoff last year. And then of course the juggernauts, um, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and then Penn state having a good year ahead of them. So interesting, interesting to see that Michigan is kind of sitting back there. We'll get a better read on them as the season goes forward. But yeah, I think that's entirely predicated on how terrible their quarterback play has been. Um, they've just have not gotten a lot out of, uh, Wilton Spate and then O'Corn, I think, also looks pretty, pretty challenged in that offense, which is interesting because that's really Harbaugh's area of expertise. And, and they haven't really blown anybody away this year. I mean, they beat Florida when Florida had like half the team suspended. Um, Cincinnati, that was a good win, but Air Force was close. Purdue is yeah, close. So we'll see. We'll find out later in the year from them. They pay, play Penn State in a few weeks, and then they end the season uh, at Wisconsin and at home against Ohio State. They will not be untested, I guess, is one way to think about it. Right. Um, and we mentioned Washington State. So when they beat USC, they were ranked 16th. They've jumped up to 11th. Um, this is another one where they haven't gone on the road yet. So let's see how they perform outside of Pullman, Washington. Um, I think they got a decent benefit of the doubt from people after surviving their FCS opponent. Typically, they lose that one every year. So uh, I don't know. I mean, that's crazy. They've had five home games to start the season. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be brought down uh, back to earth um, as they move forward. I mean, you they're going to end up. I mean, they've yeah, got to play, play Stanford and Washington. They do Stanford at home. And they have Washington on the road to close out the year. They're at Utah, at Arizona, at Cal. Um, at Cal. They should win that one at Oregon. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a I mean, that's that's a tough schedule. It doesn't matter who you're playing to do that yeah. many road games well, in the back half of your schedule. Their defense looked better than you would have expected out of a out of a high-flying um, air raid type Pac-12 team. 
uh, especially against USC. They disrupted Sam Darnold pretty well. So. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've watched one Pac-12 game this year, and I, we live in Pac-12 country. A <laughs> um, lot of high-scoring games, especially if you're watching Stanford lately. Um, they've got Bryce Love. I think he's my Heisman. He's my He would get my Heisman vote um, from Stanford at this point. But um, anyway, yeah, I guess that kind of rounds out my list of unexpected top 15s. Like, they've got Miami at 13th. They played three games. Um, let's see how they fare against Florida State. But, I mean, I actually, I, I'll probably I'll probably take Miami against the spread in that one um, against Florida State. I think they'll break the streak this year, too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's about all I got. It's interesting for me. Like, I, I find myself barely looking at the rankings anymore when they come out. I'll take a glance and I'll look at like the top five and where they're at. I don't even look down to 25. And I remember it wasn't too long ago when Clemson was in there hanging around. You were happy if they got into the twenties and to see how high they could go. Now I look and I'm like, who are these teams? UCF, San Diego state, South Florida. Are they really that good? I don't know. They're undefeated. Yeah. I mean, with us not really playing around in the teens too much, although we are playing teams in the, in the mid teens, um, at a regular clip here, but yeah, you don't really, you're not really jockeying for position against those for respect or for, I don't know, clout, that kind of thing. When you're squarely in the top five, you know, first world problems to have, but that's, that's real. When we lose, if we lose and drop, maybe I'll start paying attention to more, you know, top 10, top 15. But right now I'm focused on that top five and, and seeing who our potential playoff contenders would be at this point, who they're playing, how they're looking, how they're developing versus what I'm seeing out of Clemson. Yeah. And it, Fortunately, we know that, I mean, we're, we're reading off right now the AP poll. And fortunately, the college football playoff committee, they don't really consider polls. Um, they they stack rank their top four based on the product that they see, what they perceive to be merit, et cetera. I, I'd have a hard time feeling like they would not put Clemson at number one um, if they were to release a ranking at this point in the season. Followed by I know everybody's saying Clemson with the they played these three top 15 teams first time a team has ever beaten three top 15 teams in the first in September first month of the season I get that that's good um Auburn I think de- definitely deserves to be a top 15 I don't think Louisville's looked necessarily so much like a top 15 we'll see about Virginia Tech we have a lot to learn um at, when Alabama goes down and beats Ole Miss 66 to 3 that's also a very good win that's not an FCS school that's Ole Miss. They were they got up what climbed like number two in the polls a few years ago. That's a strong SEC team. You go out and whoop them like that. Yeah, you're probably not going to move out of that number one spot. I guess I'm I'm saying I don't necessarily believe Clemson should have leapfrogged Alabama this week in the polls. I'm just saying I think based on those the merits of those wins that they would likely have us as the most most deserving of the one seed. But yeah, it's one A one B with us in Alabama in some order. Um, what I'm interested in is what would those matchups look like? And would we be, as fans, pulling for a particular matchup for to go play in the Rose Bowl as the two seeds we face the three seed, who right now is Oklahoma, or right now, you know, presuming Penn State, which I think they would, they're they're in there, they're in that four seed. I mean, knowing what we know about these offenses and defenses on the other side, the talent advantage, et cetera, where would you lean, Ben? Would you rather face OU or Penn State at this point? I would rather face Penn State because I don't think they've run into a real defense yet. And we've got a real defense. Um, that being said, I would also love to embarrass Baker Mayfield. Nothing yeah. would bring more joy to me <laughs> than that. 
And, and beating Oklahoma is just fun. And you can talk about, I mean, Oklahoma, we assume is going to continue to win and will win the Big 12. But, you know, if they're if they are usurped by TCU, that might change our answer to that question. Yeah. Um, another good defensive team I mean, nowhere near Clemson's level of defensive talent or production. But um, and then same with Penn State, you know, they could easily lose the Ohio State, who's only has a non-conference loss and they could be the lone representative for the Big Ten. Or you've got Wisconsin, who has a little bit of a cakewalk. Maybe they sneak through. But um, I think I would go more on a football matchup than a, a hate my heart for Baker Mayfield matchup. And I'd probably pick Penn State in New Orleans. It's kind of my, my pick there. But the good part is get into the playoff, no matter what, you're going to an awesome venue in a great city. We're five games into a 12-game regular season, plus you got the conference championship game. So we're going to have to see how it plays out. Looks like we got to have a formidable opponent, opponent right now in Miami. We'll find out next week um, if we do make it to the ACC championship game and Miami continues to, to play well. So see how it goes. Still a long season left. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think, based on what we've seen from Florida State, based on what we've seen from NC State and possibly Miami or Virginia Tech again, that coastal opponent may be our next strongest foe. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it could be NC State, but... Um, yeah, they, they've got a test this Thursday against Louisville. Obviously, they play a different style than Clemson does, but um, again, yeah, it'll be a tough test, and that's on a short week. Um, anything else from around the nation? Uh, that's about all I got right now. South Carolina lost to Texas A&M. That's, uh, that's always a good story. I hear the plumbing, you know. Was, plumbing problems follow them. So follow yeah. South Carolina. I mean, yeah. well, their team's crap, so. <laughs> Goes to the territory. Um, yeah, I guess the only thing we haven't really touched on is Tennessee's woes. I feel like this this last game was yet another nail in the coffin for Butch Jones. I don't know if he'll be removed midseason or not. don't know if that's their style. I mean, he might be removed tomorrow. Yeah, it could well be. I mean, they, they seem to, when it comes to coaching changes at Tennessee, it seems to always be a little bit a little bit crazy down there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, as a Clemson fan, I, I want Butch to stay forever. Easy to recruit against. Very never, easy to recruit against. Never really going to you know, put up too much of a fight on the field um, in the rankings to challenge us. So good luck. Good luck, Butch. Before we move on, uh, first wanted to take the chance to acknowledge some of our um, avid listeners and folks who engage with us out there. Um, we appreciate y'all. We appreciate you guys very much and we appreciate your listens and, and your um, communication with us. So um, I want to shout someone out who follows with uh, follows us and engages with us quite a bit on Twitter. Um, that's at Robert Olker. Um, Robert, Long-time podcast listener, definitely been submitting questions and um, shouting us out for a while. So appreciate that, Robert. Um, we're happy to have you. Yeah, and breaking news here, Tully. Not four hours after we posted last week's episode, SoundCloud user 983-666-285 messaged us on Facebook, and we know he is now. Great note from him. His name's Mark Branham. Uh, said he's been listening to the show for a long time. So thank you, Mark, for reaching out. Thank you for listening, and thank you for helping us put together a little fun spot, uh, a little little uh, clip, little goofy clip on the show. Uh, but then thanks for being a good sport. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but then right after that, some other SoundCloud user three one seven nine eight four nine four two comes out of the woodwork, and it's like, come on, man, can't keep doing this with these anonymous likes. Yeah, show yourselves. Show yourselves. Set up a profile. Um, and then a couple other guys who got some uh, nice comments from uh, James Moore and Zachary Moore. And then I also want to point out a, a guy, Tim Myers. He runs a Clemson Reddit feed. Is that what you call it? 
I don't know much about Reddit. Um, but it's if you search it on Reddit, it's Clemson Tigers. He gave us a shout out. He's been posting our shows over there. So big shout out to Tim. Um, Tim, we still remember you. We hope to talk to you soon. Um, that's all I got. Just, you know, for the most part, thanks to everybody. We're getting a lot more SoundCloud listens and likes and sharings. Thanks to everyone who's been doing that. Um, you know, that's the reason why we continue to do this. All the engagement and the listens we have. This is not a job for us. We have real jobs. We do this on the, the side as a hobby, but... Uh, we really appreciate everybody that listens and all the love and support you give us. We really do. Thanks. Yeah, and the word of mouth helps quite a bit. And I um, also want to say, you know, as we wind into the part of the season against opponents that might, you know, draw a little bit less of a attention than the Auburns, Louisville's, and what Virginia Tech's of the world, um, we may have some time on our show here to address, you know, different topics. And if any of you guys have questions for us that you want us to address kind of in a mailbag format, hit us up with those. Um, you know how to get a hold of us on social. You can also com- make comments in the Shake in the Southland comment section when we post our shows over there. Um, you guys should definitely head over there and read their great content too. We appreciate those guys putting us on. Uh, but yeah, we're happy to read any questions you have, kind of spice up the discussion here on the show. Lastly, if you could, please take a few minutes. It, I know it's tough to navigate a little bit, but search for us within iTunes, search for Clemson Podcast, and please do leave us a review. That helps us to spread the word for those looking for Clemson content out there to find us. Um, And we've really grown uh, the popularity of this show and our listen counts by having those reviews be where they are. And if you have a negative review, um, please don't use iTunes. Email CodyFowler at gmail.com. Right. Please use curse words. He likes those. (laughs) Um, With that, let's move on to Virginia Tech. Moving on to the Virginia Tech Clemson game. Clemson comes away with a very dramatic 31 to 17 road victory up in Blacksburg. Um, This one was all hyped up. A lot of people wanted this to be a much tighter game than it actually turned out being. Um, Clemson was really in control throughout this game. And um, maybe we didn't feel as confident coming into this one as we did maybe the Louisville game. But we certainly had about a one star advantage from a talent perspective. And Clemson has played in every number of environments. And, you know, Ben, you can tell me what your thoughts are. I don't think they were or even could have been intimidated by by that atmosphere. No, when you play in two national championship games and you know, a handful of the guys on the team have been involved in both, something like that is not going to impress you or you know, strike strike fear into your heart. Um, when they were previewing and showcasing Virginia Tech's entrance when ESPN was, it reminded me a lot of the Clemson-Florida State game uh, a few years ago. It was the second 2013. Time. Yeah, it was the game that shall not be mentioned. Right. Uh, <laughs> when James Winston came in there and just dissected Clemson and, and annihilated them. Uh, that's kind of how it felt to me. I, I, Clemson's fine. They're playing a second game day on the road this season. I'm not worried about the environment there. Um, I did think it was important to, to get in and get off to a hot start. We mentioned that, and they did. That quieted the crowd, and that helped. But at the end of the day, I don't think a little Metallica and some some jumping Hokies is really going to intimidate this Clemson football team. Yeah, a couple of other interesting notes. We mentioned in the opening that they moved the band up to basically the nosebleed far reaches. So I think the deal is it's not that they moved them there. Is that that's I think that's where Virginia that's Tech designated, designated. That's where they yeah. put it because when they go on the road, that's where they're placed on their band. I think what the deal was is it come out comes out is that Clemson and South Carolina have an agreement that each, uh, each visiting team gets an allotment of like 2,000 tickets or something like that in the lower section near the field. And because Clemson can't sell those as season tickets, they designate that for the away team's band. 
um, and other fans and, and whatever else gets sold, third party, internet, whatever. So I think that's the reasoning behind it, not that they were trying to quiet us. That being said, I heard Tiger Rag loud and proud the whole night long. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, in this one, you know, Virginia Tech never really threatened Clemson. Um, there were a couple stages where it was down to two scores. Uh, but we can talk about the phases of the game here, Ben. But I think in general, this one started out um, a lot like last year's ACC championship game. You know, Clemson came out hot on offense, um, came away with two two quick scores to go up um, 10 to nothing. And definitely want to talk about the, some of the plays that happened in the, the first two offensive drives for Clemson because those were some of the best plays that, that we ran all game offensively. Yeah, a little disappointing that we had to settle for a field goal in that first drive. You know, at that moment, had Virginia Tech gotten the ball, came back down and scored, goes up 7-3. to three. It's a whole different game from that point. The crowd's into it. Uh, but the fact that Clemson was able to get the ball back, defense was as dominant as, as they were, and then go down and score and go up 10 to nothing, that kind of set the tone for the game. Virginia Tech has been getting off the slow starts this year, and Clemson capitalized on that. Yeah, definitely helped out by a Virginia Tech penalty on a conversion that they had on their second series, and that helped us out a ton. Um, but I thought Kelly Bryant made some incredible throws on that opening drive to take us down and unfortunately just come away with three points. Um, yeah, the false start on Mylon Richard there was a killer. Big Dex is about to roll over, so that was a, that was going to be a false start either way um, from one of our guys. But I think they I, called it on Christian Wilkins. But yeah, it was definitely Mylon Richard that jumped first. But I, I I was saying jumbo package at that point too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, at least we worked out that kink of the false start. I mean, so we I did, but we had a couple other procedural penalties. We the game. we did, and Bud Foster was moving a lot of guys around up front, and you know the crowd was loud at times. But that being said. Um, none of them besides that one were too detrimental. We came away with points. Alex Spence hit that short 23 yard field goal. Um, but otherwise that's about as much as the crowd was a factor all night long. Yeah. And after the two defensive stops, I think we, we quieted them down. Kelly Bryant was dialed in from the start, which is great. Um, and offensive play calling introduced a wrinkle that resulted in the Tavian Feaster 60 plus yard, um, pass and catch. Um, so really, you know, Kelly Bryant was making plays with his arms early on with his arm early on. Um, I also want to call out the passing catch to Ray Ray McLeod and Hunter Renfro kind of across the field right. on that first series. Maybe the, the the pass to Feaster wasn't, you know, some amazing. He was wide open. Physical feet done by Kelly Bryant. He was wide, wide the open. Under, but good of Kelly to sell the other side of the field and right. draw linebacker well, eyes away from that. Well, play. and Feaster, uh, you know, Bluffing on that, really selling the block. Yep. Um, he well, he either sold it or he missed it. You know, it could be either with with Feaster uh, as he continues to develop his pass blocking abilities. But uh, really got that linebacker's eyes off of him, got him out of position, and Feaster yeah wide open. And then it's just his speed. You're not going to catch him going down the sideline. But that was the thing of beauty. Uh, really makes you, uh, you know, remember back to those wheel routes to C.J. Spiller. Yeah. Exactly. Um, misdirection was great. Great to see him, you know, show some of his pass catching ability and his breakaway speed. So um, didn't necessarily have the we, our eyes have been maybe a little bit miscalibrated by watching Travis Etienne um, Burnham the last few weeks. But Easter can still cook down the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's no doubt. I know fans are going to want to be seeing more of Etienne. And I I'm actually a little bit surprised that we did not see him more in the game. Um, but Tavian Feaster, he's your number one running back, hands down. So moving on from that 10-0 start, really the, the next few series of the first half, taking it through halftime, were three and outs back and forth, um, a lot of punting going on. And on the Clemson side, leading up to a series where he had a missed field goal, 
I think there were some misconnections between Kelly Bryant and some of the pass catchers, um, most notably Deion Kane, and we had a, an actually deep ball to T. Higgins as well. Um, so this is this is really where we started to see Kelly sort of start to sail some of his passes and not be as crisp. We talked about that in the past couple shows, uh, rearing its head. And you know, while the game started well from a passing perspective, kind of got away from him a little bit. Well, you mentioned we we saw some wrinkles in there, and they started to be a little bit more dynamic on offense the early part of this game. Again, you're going to need to do that because you want to get the crowd out of the game there in Blattsburg, and that's what happened. Uh, it was good to go up 17-3 to going into the halftime, especially knowing you're going to be getting the ball back to start the second half. And I know a lot of fans are going to start complaining a little bit as this offense did go vanilla, um, especially into the second half. But listen, at this point, we know what we're going to get out of this team. They're going to lean heavily on a dominant defense because this defense is absolutely dominant. They're going to do enough on offense to, to build a lead, and then they're going to kind of hit it on cruise control after that, not make mistakes, uh, don't do anything stupid, turning over the ball, won the turnover battle on this one, three to nothing. I don't know when's the last time we did that. Um, and they're just going to manage the game and, and you know play to win, right? Do what they have to do to win. And you, you can tell early on when a team is not going to score in our defense. Ben, for me, I think the offense actually took the reins on this one and won the game both at the end of the second quarter and the beginning of the third quarter offensively. Um, certainly don't want to discredit the defense's role in this win. Uh, but when Virginia Tech had pulled within three to you know ten to three um, in that second quarter, we only had two or three minutes to get a drive done to score a touchdown. And Kelly Bryant methodically marched the team down the field, connected with Deion Kane and kind of his his lone um, highlight play of the night. And um, you know, while that one wasn't a touchdown, Fuller Fuller crossed the goal line, and that looked like just clockwork. Um, a lot of comfort uh, on that yeah. offensive series. Well, and it's good to see this team kind of go down and execute a, a two-minute drive, right? Um, and again, like I said, it was big to go up 17-3 to three at that point, especially knowing you're going to get the ball back coming into the second half. So this offense did what they had to do to win. And you've seen a couple people come out now. Um, uh, Justin Fuente, or, or either him or Bud Foster, saying Kelly Bryant was the key difference in this game. And it wasn't with his arm. He did have some misreads again. The ball sailing high is not a good sign. Uh, he missed some surefire touchdowns on some overthrows. Um, but his legs are an X factor. It's something that Deshaun Watson, while he was good at uh, running and escaping, Kelly Bryant is a different animal. And you're really seeing that uh, really play to Clemson's advantage, especially as they are more conservative. Uh, not really throwing the ball or being as aggressive throwing the ball as we have been the past couple seasons, his legs are able to make up for that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think on our, our best drives, um, maybe where he showed what he could do with his arm, but definitely throughout the night, I'm very impressed with his toughness, um, his evasiveness, and his you know just ability to take off and showcase that speed so well the mental strength that this kid shows he, he seems unflappable even when things are going well and he's not playing his best um he's still not making a lot of mistakes um in, in mistakes i mean turnovers fumbles interceptions or taking egregious sacks right now he was close to having <laughs> egregious sack there in the in the second half uh, and he still needs to make some quicker decisions he is pulling the ball down too soon i think and you know the clemson wide receivers in this game uh, we're really getting some separation as Virginia Tech was playing man coverage, and he had he did miss some opportunities, but egregious mistakes aren't there, and that's the key. I think the you know the the next area that we really sealed this game was um, in the the beginning of the third quarter. So Virginia Tech they made some adjustments at half, um, came out you know really amped up on defense, and 
held Clemson to, I mean, they actually pushed us back. Um, but we had a three and out to start the, the series. You know, great, great momentum builder for their defense. Uh, Virginia Tech comes out, runs two plays, fumbles the second one, turns it back over to Clemson. Um, and we marched down. And really that where this was, in my mind, had to be, you know, demoralizing as all hell for this defense. Um, they do, Clemson looks like we're about to score. They do look like they're about to tackle Kelly Bryant for a big-time loss, a big-time sack, maybe keep us to a field goal, or, hey, it's Alex Spence, maybe a missed field goal at that point. Instead, he evades it, turns that into about a one-yard gain. I've never seen someone run so far to gain one yard. Yeah, Dabo said it was 50 yards in a box, um, <laughs> and that may be true. And Not only that, then to give up a fourth-down touchdown, fourth-down conversion for a touchdown a couple plays later. So that was a key moment. I, w- I was sitting there in the bar. I'm like, we're up 17-3. to three. It's fourth down. It's a short field goal. That's something that Alex Spence certainly can hit. Uh, why don't you just take the points there and, and, and go up? 20 to three. Um, so that was, that's what I was saying in the heat of the moment, but I, I promised a shout out to, to our friend Katie Manson. She was like, no, Ben, why don't you go for it? You got to go for it. And I thought about it. I'm like, you're right. This team is not going to be able to move the ball on our starting defense. And even if we don't convert here on fourth and one from the goal line, they're going to be pinned at presumably the one yard line to go against our defense. Very highly unlikely that they're going to go down and convert that into points. So Katie, I told you, to give your shout out. You were right. <laughs> Dabo made the right call, um, and, that, and yeah, that was one of the things that really, uh, really started to seal the deal for this win. Yeah, it was great to see Feaster actually come away with that touchdown. Um, I think DJ Fuller may actually be our best short distance back at this point. Both of those, I feel really confident in though. To right. Grab that yard when we need it. Um, and one thing I do want to touch on here, and this has been a problem that's played Clemson over the past couple seasons. Um, especially at this point, not having Deshaun Watson, you've seen this trend this year. When Clemson wins the toss, they're going to elect to defend first. You know, put your best squad out there on the field. Um, and that way we get the ball back starting the second half. Clemson needs to capitalize on having the ball for that first possession of the second half when they have it. We started this one, I think it was three and out with a punt. We got lucky on the fumble uh, by Dexter Lawrence uh, and Dorian O'Daniel recovering it on the ensuing drive for Virginia Tech. Then ultimately go down the scores, but you can really start to drive the dagger in if you go up 24 to three with a scoring drive on the first drive of the second half. They've got to get better at executing and capitalizing on that advantage. Yeah, and it may not may not always be the case where that doing so will sort of seal the game or put a team away. But, um, you know, when we do play more formidable foes down the line, potentially in a postseason atmosphere, um, could be critical just to keep keeping in that game or um, really solidifying or setting us up for a solid second half. Um, ben and I, I mean, we were just going over the, the drive chart earlier and actually after that touchdown, Clemson did nothing but punt the rest of the way, at least on offense. Uh, but that's not to say those drives were without their, um, their good plays from this offense. I think it's just a, a matter of the play calling moving to a more conservative place at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, they do the Virginia tech ends up uh, pulling it within 24 to 10 with 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And I think this is another big uh, moment of the game. After Clemson punts, uh, Dorian O'Daniel gets that pick six, puts Clemson up 31 to 10. Uh, and then on Virginia Tech's ensuing drive, uh, they drive all the way down to the Clemson 31, and then Austin Bryant gets that pick of Jackson. Uh, so what could have been Virginia Tech taking the ball with 14 minutes left, only down 14 points, two scores, it ends up Clemson being up uh, by 21 points, 
and Virginia Tech gets the ball with about five minutes left in the game, just over five minutes left on the clock. So that's a huge momentum swing right there. Those two interceptions were were big, and that's you know that's that's the defense right there showing their teeth. Yeah, and I, I mentioned earlier the beginning of the game had a bit of a familiar start to last year's championship game. The difference in this one was the dominance of the defense throughout, continuing to punish um, Josh Jackson and Justin Fuente's offense. Um, we, we kept them out of the end zone last year. Virginia Tech was went 28 and 28 to three in the, the end of that game. And we really needed a, a late interception to save our bacon and, and save our title run. Um, and in this one, it was just the defense would not let them, let them get off the mat. And that's a, again, that's a trend that we're seeing. And I think we're going to expect to see that as the year goes on, they're going to let this defense uh, be the anchor of this Clemson team. And they're going to let Kelly Bryant slowly develop into a better quarterback, uh, gain more uh, chemistry with the offense, especially the wide receivers. Uh, you know, you mentioned this, we were talking before. Uh, Kelly Bryant and Deion Kane need to get on the same page. Bro out, I think, as you said. You know, <laughs> go out to dinner, something, anything. Go watch a movie together, you know. Get on the same page because they're, they're just off. Deion they need Kane, one another big time. Yeah. I mean, this is Deion's money year, and you can tell. I mean, there was a lot of frustration from Deion Kane when some of those balls weren't placed properly. He wants to get there. I feel like they will work it out. But, um, I mean, we know Kelly Brown can throw the deep ball. That's his best throw. I'm not sure what was happening on the, on those plays. but Well, a lot of times you'll see, again, it's been an issue at right tackle this year. It wasn't so much in this game, but he's been throwing high because of that pressure getting on him for the right side. Now, a lot of his balls that end up going high are to that right side. So, um, again, I think he just needs to calm down his nerves and, and put the ball in a position to let his receivers make a play on it because, again, on those 50-50 balls, the talent is there in Clemson's side for them to come down with those 85 90, 90% of the time. Um, maybe while we're on the topic of nitpicking, just a couple I'll throw in here. We mentioned some procedural penalty stuff. Um, you know, in bigger games, that, that kind of thing, that, that lack of discipline can't come back to bite you. Um, Kelly Bryant nearly, nearly bailed us out every single time. Well, and, and and fortunately, really, when you look at it, they were all procedural calls. I don't even know if we had a, a penalty called on the defense in this game. I and mean, we only had four penalties. Ultimately, Virginia Tech was penalized for more yards. Um, so that really wasn't an issue. I think it was more so the fact that the crowd at that point in the game early on in, in Blacksburg, and then also Bud Foster was moving people around all game long. Right side, it got better towards the end of the game. You did not see those procedural penalties. Yeah, for sure. Um and maybe one other area, and this is more for Kelly Bryant's kind of well-being and, and um, health going forward, but um, he was he put himself in harm's way quite a bit with um, how he was approaching, you know, gaining some extra yardage. Um, I saw a lot of him kind of falling head back, kind of not, not looking into the line where he was going. Well, do you remember early on when he didn't gain that first down because he kind of did this half slide and he came up about half a yard short? He started after that. He started being more aggressive. Yeah. For sure, and I wanted I wanted to say that too. Just in general, that my comment is his spatial awareness needs to improve. There were a couple of times he ran out of bounds, like a yard before the line to gain, or you know, the, the play you're mentioning was in the middle of the field. Right. Um. You know, those kind of things. I think maybe he can be coached up to always be familiar with the, the line to gain. He also got lit up one time by a linebacker there late in the game. Yeah. So I mean, as much as possible, I think he could, he would do well to study um, how Russell Wilson approaches things. Um, just one example, but. Russell Wilson does a great job of avoiding contact um, that a guy in the past, like Robert Griffin III, did not and had a pretty short-lived career as a, a runner. I mean, we do have valuable depth at quarterback that a lot of other teams don't have, but he's still the best quarterback on the roster right now. Can't afford to lose him. Yeah, for sure. Um, so hopefully, I mean, again, like 
we're, we're looking forward to this next stretch of the season where ideally we're we're not putting him in harm's way as much. Um, ideally, he can he can get those other quarterbacks more reps because um, we have such a good lead heading into the second half. Let's um, blow out teams we should blow out. Yeah. No, no more seven to seven against BC heading into the fourth quarter. Right. Then why don't we flip it over to talk about the defense? So defensively, Clemson threw three quarters, held Virginia Tech to the lone field goal. Um, they also attempted a fake field goal, which was pretty ill-fated. That was the, come on, man. That's, that was sad. It's like 12 to go or it's something Fourth like and that. 12, he got maybe a yard. Like, that was just, it was pitiful. I know that's like, a special teams play, but. Um, yeah, Frank Beamer was up there in the box. He probably just stood up and walked out. Indeed. Not Beamer ball for sure. Um, but, yeah, just a very dominant performance through throughout this whole game from the defense. Uh, you mentioned Clemson had a 3-0 turnover advantage. Seeing this team start to cause turnovers, you know, Dorian O'Daniel got a second touchdown on the year. That is super encouraging. At a key moment. I mean, that was a, a key turning point of the game. And we we said it coming in. This is what this defense would have to do. Freshman quarterback, force him into mistakes. You know, they had, what, 11 touchdowns and one interception on the year had uh, uh, Josh Jackson. And as a team, they only had two turnovers on the year. They turned the ball over three times this game. So, yeah, that was a pretty good effort uh, on the defense's part. In my in my preview interview with Alex Kraft on Friday, um, we both kind of hashed this one out and spent most of our time talking about the defense. And he rightfully thought that Dorian O'Daniel would be his player of the game. I thought he was the defensive player of the game, um, both you know, obviously for that pick, but um, amazing concentration. And he seemed to be in almost every big play on defense involved in some way. Um, he sniffed out that sort of, would be trick play where they pitched it out to their um, kind of undersized wide receiver guy who's going to throw it. I don't know if he had an open receiver, if Cam Phillips was open or somebody else, but DOD sniffed that out and crushed him. Um, amazing. Well, another guy for me too, I think uh, Mark Fields uh, needs some props because, you know, Cam Phillips did end up having like 74 yards receiving, but Mark Fields did a very good job of keeping him in check uh, most of the game and frustrating him with really good coverage. So, you know, mad props to Mark Fields. You know, this is a guy who, by all accounts, has all the talent in the world. It's looking like he's really starting to put it together. You know, there was a fear possibly this week. I think he was battling a groin injury coming in that we were going to be a little thin at quarter cornerback. And Cam Phillips is a really good wide receiver. Um, so for him to for him for him to come in and play like he did, that was very very encouraging for Mark. Carter was also in coverage occasionally on um, Cam Phillips too, and he had a great game. Yeah, um, Ryan Carter played well too. He came yeah. up with some big plays. My pick for the game who definitely acquitted himself well was Austin Bryant um, beyond that otherworldly interception he had with one hand. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call that it, palmed it. Well, he, I was, it didn't touch his palm. I was, was so happy for him after he missed that other interception for him to get one in this game. That was a thing of beauty. I love that. Um, but I, I, I don't even know if that was his most impressive play in the game. The most impressive play was coming out of it was a fourth down attempt by Virginia tech. Um, Brent Venables called timeout. He recognized the play. Moved Austin Bryant out to the outside. Yeah, you yeah. saw the tight end um, be there to block and you know come into block. So they thought it might be a screen. Blew that play up. Just, they didn't even change the play call, but blew that up. You know, two hundred and nearly a three hundred pound lineman. He ate that boy for dinner. Seriously. So yeah. AB and you see, you've ball. seen Brent Venables move Farrell out a lot and him make an impact uh, in the passing game. So just the fact that we have the ability uh, from these talented guys to move them out from defensive end to put them out in coverage. I mean, that just goes to show you how great this defensive is and what a great defensive coordinator Brent Venables is. I mean, to be able to do that, 
that's absolutely amazing for sure um big props also go to dex dexter lawrence he he caused that critical strip um on the the second drive of the second half um i believe dorian o'daniel came up with the with yeah the, with he the ball but um you know amazing work by that line and linebacker core um how about the safety play i i, I saw tanner muse flying around and he was pretty effective um you know he was in on a lot of tackles obviously as you might expect for for his position but um I don't, you know, in rewatching the game, I didn't see too many safety lapses in this game. Um, there was maybe some one or two instances where Cam Phillips kind of broke loose. Um, and but there's good closing speed on those by the safeties and also on some plays where they broke into the second level. We mentioned this coming into the season. Uh, the secondary needed to improve on uh, preventing the big plays from happening. When they do break through the defensive line and maybe past the linebackers, be there to make the stop. And they've been doing that all year long. They did in this game. Yeah. Not a lot of crazy missed tackles. I think there were potentially some misplays ball, misplayed balls. I um, don't want to keep picking on Jalen Williams too much, but definitely one of Cam Phillips long receptions was uh, potentially on him. So yeah. Uh, no pass interferences as I recall in this game, which, which yeah. is a, a very good improvement. But I mean, most of all, man, the speed and depth of this defense is so far, so far superior to any other team that we've played so far this year. Uh, the defensive line gave Jackson very little time to throw, and when there were open lanes in the running game, the defense swarmed and, and quickly closed those up. What would normally be 20-yard runs against better teams turned into, like, five-yard runs. You know, when there was a big hole, it doesn't matter. That defense closed quickly, and they stuffed them. Jane Tech couldn't really get anything going in the running game. Um, it's You know, we, we, we know it's a work in progress for them this year, but – there was no doubt in this game. They were not going to move the ball on the ground. And for the most part, the passing game, Clemson shut it down. I mean, overall, it's just a really, really great performance by this defense. Um, and I would like to point out that J.D. Davis led the team in tackling with 11 tackles. Pretty strong stuff. Um, Clemson ended the game with eight tackles for loss, only the two sacks. Uh, but it seemed like we were close to quite a few others. Um, just couldn't quite get that last that last step. But, um, you know, another amazing performance. You look at the guys that got snaps, Guys that got snaps on the defense. I mean, it's a per- pretty long list. And guys that got tackles. Um, you know, Jamie Skalski had a tackle in this game. Um, so anyway, like great to see a lot of good work from the depth on this team um, come through. Any other kind of standout performances from you, Ben? Um, no, I mean Trayvon Mullen was limited. You know, they were kind of playing it safe with him coming out of that concussion protocol. Uh, Justin Foster went out with an ankle, ankle injury. That's really the only serious uh, or injury of note in this game. Dabwood does not expect him to practice tomorrow, so uh, we'll see if we can get him back. Uh, again, we're very limited at depth on the defensive end. You, know, you may, and we've mentioned this, you're going to see Christian Wilkins move out there a little bit, especially as guys like Albert Huggins and Niles Pinckney have been playing better um, on the inside. Gabriel Robinson. I take that back. Skalski did not have a tackle in this game. Um, that was a snap it looked like um anyway um we will certainly expect this defense to continue to show its its might um in coming games you know wake forest coming up has a, what we what we've heard is a pretty solid offense um, but i i think you got to give it up i mean virginia tech we definitely um pressured josh jackson quite a bit but he, he never looked all that rattled and i think that um they're a team that can continue to improve. I think if we should rematch them again, I would expect a pretty similar score, maybe even more points from Clemson. We left a lot of points there. We talked a lot about it, the reasons in our offensive section, but 
I would expect a pretty similar defensive effort against this matchup. Yeah, um, and then I guess maybe one other thing, you know, let's talk about special teams for a second because you know, Virginia Tech is known for their special teams. Uh, we talked about blowing out the fake field goal. The kick coverage has been okay in um, Hugel's absence. Alex Spence looks like he's going to be get it to the goal line about every time, maybe get a few uh, touchbacks, but kick coverage good. Uh, there was that one, you know, mishap on the on the punt return. Um, Will Spires, he's got some work to do. He only averaged uh, just under 38 yards a punt in this game. He did have a long of 53. His main issue, and he had that one bad punt. We'll let him slide on that because otherwise he's been great this year. The main issue with him is he's having trouble landing inside the 20. Um, he really needs to improve on that. He's either sailing it into the end zone or he's landing it like right on the 20 or like the 25. Mm-hmm. Um He's a little hesitant there, so he needs to work on his finesse. Uh, but otherwise, a pretty solid special teams game. Um, I don't know how many long field goals we're going to kick this year because that was about the ugliest one I've ever seen in my life that Alex Spence had. Uh, but if you know that, if you know that we're going to be a little bit more prone to go for on fourth, let's say, when you're in the game plan for that, the next yeah. 10 15, that changes your approach on third down. Yeah. If you know you're more willing to Absolutely. Go and again, when you have a defense like ours, you can turn the ball over to them at the 30 and not not be the worst thing in the world. Not right? freak so, out. Yep. We'll see. He needs to get better. He's got the leg. He just needs to get better. I mean, championship teams have got to find a way to kick field goals from that distance. So unless we want to continue to be, you know, the exception to all the rules. Last year, we turned it over more than any championship type of team. So maybe this will be our. We win in unconventional ways, I guess. That's right. Um, You know, overall, though, maybe one last area to, to touch on, Ben. How do you think the coaches did top to bottom in this game? Backing up against Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech was outcoached um, mainly. But again, the offense doesn't have to do all that much. They need to get a lead and they need to protect the ball um, on defense. I think Bud, or, uh, uh, Brent Venable is clearly outcoached there, whomever their offense coordinator is. So, um, yeah, coaches is a factor for this team. The defense is what it is. I think the offensive uh, play calling is going to continue to be conservative, but uh, do what they need to do to win ball games And, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott have lost like two games in their career um, as offense coordinators. So there you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, Fuente made adjustments and kind of threw, threw a lot out there at Clemson in the second half. Um, but it's interesting. They didn't try to make some more of those adjustments in the first half. I guess they did have limited opportunities and it's tough to run a lot of dynamic plays when you're doing three and outs most series. But um, yeah, I think really a big key to this one was not only, on the line play that we had on both sides, but um, Clemson's relative performance on third down and fourth down, um, you know, we, we definitely um, led the game in that, in that phase overall. Yeah. And in shocking stat, they actually had three more first downs than us and got more yards than us by about, I think it was like 10 yards or something, but Clemson, we had, like we actually had better field position than them too. Well, maybe that's why we didn't have as many yards. We didn't have as far to go. Yeah, it could be. Um, I also have to imagine the, I mean, I guess, does a pick six count toward your starting field position? We didn't actually take an offensive that snap. That doesn't count offensively. That's yeah. a defensive score. Sure, sure. I just mean from a, um, do you then start that quote-unquote drive from the position at which he intercepted it? I don't think that factors in. Yeah, to not too knowledgeable position. about how those are calculated. Yeah, scoring football plays like that. Gotcha. Um, cool. Well, great victory again for the Tigers. Um, you know, these are getting 
you're getting uh, pretty comfortable, you know, these 15, top 15 wins. Um, I think everyone knows by this point, this is the first time in the first month that any team had beaten three top 15 or better teams. Um, so amazing, amazing uh, accolade there for Clemson. Move on into the unranked section of our schedule, at least for the time being. We'll see if Georgia Tech can continue to you know, advance and see if they'll get ranked by the time we face NC State. Or if NC State can stay kind of in the the um, the ranked level of play. But uh, this will be the time where my hope is that uh, we'll be able to put teams away early and get some of our more critical starters, especially those that are hurting, a little bit more rest in these games. So Ben, before we wrap the episode, I just want to take this moment. Cody and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We talked about where we're recalibrating our expectations for the season, how we think the first few weeks have gone. I want to give you that opportunity to talk to that. Um, we're five weeks through. We, we know a lot more about this game now than we or this team now than we did at the end of August, at the end of fall camp when we did our season previews. Where is your head right now with this team? Maybe where do you think the ceiling is? Where do you think the floor is? Well, that was a rough gauntlet. It was a very front-loaded schedule, and now seeing that FSU isn't going to be what they th- what we thought they were, the second third almost of the schedule does not nearly look as hard as it could have been heading into the season. This team is battle-tested, man. Um, they know how to play in tough environments and in big games. They win close ones, fourteen to seven. Uh, they pull away in tight affairs, you know, against BC. And on college game day in an opponent's house, they've blown out uh, two top 15 teams. So that's really all you have to say about that. And, you know, another thing I want to point out, this team is having so much fun and they really support each other. You see the defense there on the sideline when the second and third string guys are in. You see Christian Wilkins and Austin Bryant are dialed in to how those guys are playing. And when they make a big play and come off the field, those are the first guys to congratulate them. So I just love what I see out of this team, the camaraderie and just how close together they are from top to bottom on this roster. And that, um, that chemistry is going to take this be a big component of how far this team goes. Uh, yeah, you mentioned the schedule looking ahead. NC state is the only ranked team on the schedule right now. Yeah. Maybe Georgia tech can get up there. Florida state's going to be ranked at some point, whether it's in the 20 to 25 range or in the top 20, we'll see. But I, I have to imagine they're way too talented not to be uh, ranked, but listen to this point, there's no offensive, uh, uh, juggernauts, left on our schedule this year. So what you're going to see is more of the same. Clemson is going to continue to lean on this defense and let the offense continue to uh, progress. You know, I don't think we're going to see any regression from the defense. So if we don't see any regression from the offense and they continue to get better, watch out. This team is going to be back in the playoffs again this year. In terms of what you perceive now to be, I don't want to use the word weaknesses, but um, opportunities that might um, – you know, come might might challenge this team somewhat in the playoff. What type of team? What type of like skill set on the other side could challenge this Clemson team? That's a good question. You know, I haven't seen Penn State play a lot, although I know they're p- playing well. Penn State hasn't faced a really good defense yet this year. Uh, certainly, none the likes of Clemson. Um, I think what it's going to come down to if we get into a situation against another really good team and we're going back and forth all game long, and we're actually going to have to rely on the offense to put up some points in crunch time. I I think that's our biggest opportunity to lose a game. And, heck, that may not even come uh, in the playoff. It may come before then against NC State uh, when we go into – Or Miami, let's say. Yeah, into into Raleigh. So, Or, yeah, Miami in the ACC championship game, if if that's the case. So um, that's what we're going to have to see. 
You know, we don't know yet how good Virginia Tech is. We know Louisville is not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. Auburn, that was a really big win. Only put up 14 points against that team. So we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, the defense is what we what we know them to be. The offense is just going to need to continue to slowly improve, not make mistakes, um, and start tying up some of these loose ends, get better some of these little you know little finer things in the game, um, so they really can come become a complete unit. <clears throat> yeah, I think something you kind of alluded to there was how much better this team is, and you know, I saw a lot of stuff over the weekend about is this Clemson team better than last year's team, but I think one area that we can all like, no one's going to argue about is the emergence of the running game on offense. And the, we, we talk about the embarrassment of riches at the receiver position. I think now we're starting to see the versatility of our running game, both you know, really highlighted by Kelly Bryant and what he gives you from right. that angle. So if this can truly become, I don't think right now it is actually a, it, maybe it is a run first defense or offense, but it's not, not hitting you over the head by run first. It's not a Leonard Fournette type right. of running offense. Yeah, we're going to still throw in wrinkles in the passing game. That's going to be a big part of it. Um, you see yeah. now throwing the ball at Feaster and what he can do catching the ball. Um, I'm not sure what skill set Etienne has catching the ball, but you get that kid out in space, you know, he's going to be gone in a flash. Uh, it's going to be a combination of both. The passing game is still going to be there, and we need it to be there. We've got all that talent out at wide receiver. We need to utilize that to stay balanced as a team. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I think we're going to be a run first offense to open up some other things in the passing game. Definitely. Um, I mean, I, I think this is this is the time of the year that you, Clemson fans, I hope you guys will start to take a look around the country at our top-ranked opponents that are out there and who could be potential prospective um, opponents in the college football playoff. Um, I'm definitely going to start taking a closer look at some of those coastal contenders myself um, now that we have a little bit more non-marquee games for ourselves um, coming up. But I mean, yeah, this is this is the fun time of year where I think this sport really gets going in October, and um, we've gotten through our gauntlet, so we can see others kind of get through theirs. Yeah, and that'll start this weekend. For sure. Well, why don't we pivot from there to the games before we wrap, just the games that you and I are looking ahead to. Um, I think for the third week in a row, we have a little bit of a limited national slate um, in terms of really solid in-conference matchups. Uh, but in the ACC in our neck of the woods, it actually does... Uh, proved to be a pretty compelling weekend. Florida State will play Miami. They put their what like eight eight year winning streak on the line this this year. Um, so that'll be a really interesting game to see. Does James Blackman show some progress? Both of these these teams, you know, combined they've played six games um, so far in the season. What what do they get? You know, in this chess match that they seem to play every year. Um, these games tend to be close. And, so and this is where it's going to even out the playing field for both of them. They're finally playing a team that doesn't have the advantage in playing two more games. FSU loses this one, drops a one and three. That's going to be tough. That is going to be tough to, to bounce back from. But they win this game. They've got it at home. That's a huge shot in the arm uh, for a team to bounce back from, from a slugger start. So we're going we're gonna to know uh, what to expect out of both these teams after this game for sure, moving forward for the rest of the season. Um, then you got Louisville at NC State. I think that's a big one. We're going to find out if... And that's Thursday night, too. We're going to find out if North Carolina State's legit, um, or we're going to find out you know, if Louisville's a better team than we really think they are right now. I think that's going to be a, a key matchup. I've got NC State in this game. I think that South Carolina game aside, NC State's a good football program right now. Um, otherwise nationally, I think the West Virginia against TCU game, that's a three thirty Eastern kick. 
that's maybe the, the only ranked um, meeting on the schedule this coming weekend. Um, so that one is at TCU. Should be an interesting game. We already mentioned TCU. Let's figure out if they actually are a national contender here. And if West Virginia wins, that that's a really good looking win for Virginia Tech. And you know that strengthens our strength of schedule, right? I think so. Um, depending on how you feel about the transitive properties, but you know definitely would be would would look better for for Virginia Tech um, holistically. Um, but yeah, otherwise for kind of the top twenty five, nothing really standing out. But I mean, I guess that probably means there'll be some crazy upsets and. Everything else, there's really no calm weekends in college football anymore. Interested to see what Alabama does to Texas A&M if they keep blowing out these uh, middling Texas or uh, SEC opponents. Um, and Arkansas at South Carolina, um, both both schools kind of reeling right now. So South Carolina, do they go four and two or they go three and three? Be interesting to watch. They're, we're learning more about that team, but it's looking more and more that they're just not. They're still not very good. Yes. You're right. Um, well, that is that is our show for this week. Thank you all again for tuning in. Appreciate all the engagement we, we've had in the last few weeks. Um, really exciting um, to, to be this far with a five and zero team. Um, you know, I think it at this point, I think it's exceeded all of our expectations in terms of not only the record but how this team has looked. And I think they very much deserve their their number two ranking, if not higher. Um, so this has been awesome, and you know, it just gets better for us as Clemson fans. So um, we appreciate it and. Looking forward to more here. Parting thoughts, Ben? Yeah, no, I, I think you said it best. It has exceeded all our expectations, really on both sides of the ball. We knew the defense was going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be this good. And the offense is ahead of where they thought they would be, and especially ETN. Um, it's been a fun 5-0 and start. You know, it was we were a little slow getting back into this football season, just coming off the high of the national championship and just kind of overloaded of two great runs two years in a row and just all the – the emotions that went into that. But now that we're five games into this season, this team has a different identity than those last two. It's awesome, man. I'm excited. And we're in the middle of the best era of Clemson football, hands down. Yeah, it's great. Well, let's keep racking up these wins and um, let's, let's book our tickets for NOLA or Pasadena. Absolutely. Let's get, let's get on it. Sounds good. Um, thanks again, everyone. And as always, go Tigers. And I'm so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. I'm a, all right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna practice my pronunciations here since I keep getting them wrong. Dabo Sweeney, Travis Etienne, Mylon Richard, Will Spires, Zach Gala. I still have no idea how to say his name. Gala. He's not. He's not Hispanic. Gala. How's it spelled? G E I L L A. I'm not. I'm not even sure Tim Barrett knows how to spell this or pronounce Probably this guy's Gala. name. Gala or Gaila? Maybe Gaila. I don't know. Gaia. Gaia would be if he was. But then the E I is not Spanish. It's, at see, all. it's a conundrum. That doesn't even. I don't know. I mean, hopefully he never sees the field. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I'm going Gaila. Okay. Um, maybe else elsewise after that 10-0 start, um, that really set the tone for this game. And elsewise. 
Is that a word? I think so. There's erstwhile, there's elsewise, there's otherwise. <laughs> Drop, right, dropping, dropping some wisdom. Let's back it up. So elsewise is a word. Nice. But it's like old English. No, yeah. Nobody would ever use it unless it was like the <laughs> 1200s. So. Elsewise? Yeah. All right. All right. That's that fine. There. I'll say otherwise. 